Welcome to all of our two and four-legged listeners. It's Nathan here from Rightpool, and welcome back to What the Bark. We are genetic George-less today. He is away on a much-deserved break, uh, but fear not, we do have another fantastic guest and episode of What the Bark to bring you. Uh, we've brought back one of our regular uh, guests who's been on the podcast before, friend of the pod, uh, and that's uh, Dr. Imogen, who is also one of the vets at Rightpaw. Dr. Imogen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Um, obviously, we had a, a lot of great episodes in the past, um, including ones about Bracky Breeze and ones about the sort of history of the dog. Um, but I think what's really interesting today, and we've, we've had a, a listener email in about this topic, and they asked about dog training. And obviously, we thought this is a great chance to get Imogen back because not only did you help build the puppy prep program, which is right for sort of puppy training program, video program, um, but you've also got a bit of an interest in, in dog behavior and training as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I um, love doing behavior consults as a vet and it's definitely an area I've done some extra training as a dog trainer as well and done some private dog training classes in puppy school at the clinic and things like that. So yeah, it's something I'm very, very interested in and quite passionate about. Amazing. And I think it's also a, a complex topic, but one that maybe people don't sort of look under the surface about. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting today is we're going to go through and talk a bit about dog training, a bit about the methods, a little bit about sort of how how to, yeah, how to think about training your dog or your pup. And I mean, may, maybe maybe a simple question to start with, like, you know, what what is dog training? Like, what is the, the, the practice or the discipline of, of dog training? <laughs> it's a broad question. It's a very, yeah, but, yeah. But, but how, yeah, how, how do you sum up training a dog? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, so when most people think about dog training, mm. they probably think of very advanced examples of dog training or, you know, yeah. really, you know, dogs with you know, professional jobs. Yeah, like, things you see at the yeah. Easter show or big things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, things like agility dogs and canine sports and obedience mm. training and things like that. But also, dogs with jobs like guide dogs and police yeah. dogs and you know everybody knows that they're very very highly trained mm. but ultimately those those are just fancy examples mm. of dog training really mm. they're ones where they've really turned that into a career for the dog mm. but even for your just average family pet the fundamentals of dog training are still super super important mm, for like every definitely. single family really all dog training actually is is just about teaching your dog a few skills to make them really effective as a as a, a member of your family and mm. you know, making them able to live in our in our human society yeah. and in your individual lifestyle as mm. an owner as well. well so it's just the life skills that they need in teaching those yeah because the majority of dogs are companion dogs obviously yeah we mm. think about those very uh, elite examples but at the end of the day yeah what majority of people want and need is, is a companion a family pet exactly so things that are just the basics like teaching a dog to sit to walk nicely on a lead to come back to you when you call them um and to be able to be on their own comfortably when yeah. you when you leave them those are probably the core skills that every single family needs to teach their puppy mm. because it's quite difficult to live with a dog that doesn't have those skills you know they're fundamentally the things we ask of most family pets yeah i think it's it's good to clarify that because for a lot of owners they might yeah they might think oh well dog training i don't need dog training i don't need a dog trainer because i don't need them to do fancy tricks to roll over and, and whatever mm. you might think but yeah realistically even just the core fundamentals of having a, a well 
trained and and confident and com- comfortable and confident dog mm. um that mm. that's really what it's you know what the core of it is exactly yeah. it's just about so really dog training is just teaching humans how to teach their dogs some fundamental skills and yeah. which skills you teach depends on your family and the role that you want your dog to play in your family Mm. yeah it's, it's it's very true it's sometimes it's as much about training the humans as it is about it's usually about training the humans yeah exactly i mean so on that on that note so i mean there are different training methods obviously you know with any training there are different methods that you would use to sort of you know instill the right behaviors in your dog i mean what, what training methods exist in the dog training world and i mean presumably you know we hear things like reinforcement and things like what you know different methods of reinforcement so so maybe you can talk to us a bit about you know what what are those different training methods that trainers will use yeah absolutely so so you mentioned reinforcement so what is reinforcement reinforcement in itself is just the anything that is going to make a behavior more likely to occur in the future Mm. is so any any kind of reinforcement um will make a behavior more likely so for example you might have um positive reinforcement which is just reward based Mm -hmm. training so the the dog knows that they're going to get a reward so therefore they're more likely to repeat whatever behavior gets them that reward so that's a way of reinforcing the behavior which is often you know a food food or treats food is the classic because food is considered a um a sort of universal reinforcer in dogs because most dogs will be motivated by food to a greater and lesser extent. Every Mm -hmm. breed is a little bit different. Every individual is a bit different, but generally you will find a food that a dog finds motivating. So it works perfectly, but it doesn't have to be. It can be any kind of reward. So you can also use play. Some dogs are really playful and play Mm. is a very, very useful reinforcer. Mm. Um, You can use access to something that the dog wants. So, you know, if the dog loves a particular bed or wants to sit on your lap and things like that, that's a reward. Reward, so you can mm. still ask the dog to do something before they then yeah. get that reward. Um, so you can use all sorts of different things. It's just anything the dog finds motivating mm. in that moment. Yeah. But there's also, so there's actually a quadrant. There's four different quadrants um, that trainers will talk about when they're talking about reinforcement. So positive reinforcement is one of them. Um, they'll also talk about positive punishment, which is essentially anything that we think of as classic punishment mm. technique. That is reinforcing a behavior by making it scary for the dog to not repeat that behavior basically or making it aversive in some way and negative it can be a bit icky it can be incredibly effective so you know just using a kind of a a short sharp voice you know just being a bit strict saying you know to a dog can be effective can be very effective Mm. in in a short period of time so if you had an emergency situation and you needed your puppy to immediately stop what they were doing Mm. making a loud noise or a loud no noise Mm. to your dog will probably stop them doing it in that particular moment interrupt it so it can Mm. be used well um but generally it's difficult to use a lot of punishment based techniques long term for lots of different types of learning because really all you're going to do is end up damaging your relationship with the dog if you do that too much Mm. so there's different types of reinforcement And I guess, so you asked about sort of general methods of training. So trainers can use any of the four quadrants of of reinforcement, Mm. depending on what exercise they're using and what technique they're using for a particular skill, to Mm -hmm. teach a particular skill. But generally, they will have a philosophy Mm. of dog training. So a lot of trainers will have preferences to use one type of technique more exactly they might subscribe to one of them more than the others Mm. um so 
things like positive reinforcement training, which is reward-based training, is very popular at the moment. Mm. And a, a lot of trainers will default to that and try to avoid any of the other types of um, reinforcement if, yeah. they, if they can. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, at, at the end of the day, yeah, you want a, a happy pup who's going to, you know, you know sort of the you know that old old saying as well like you know like that you catch more more bees with honey than with vinegar or you know the, the old saying so you know yeah. yeah it is sort of that whole you know you want to you know give them a positive thing to reinforce and it's yeah it's a nicer environment for the puppy as well yeah yeah exactly it definitely it's it's difficult so another big um sort of school of thought in terms of dog training and a big um another big category of dog training would be training based in dominance theory. So a lot of people out there may have heard of dominance theory. And dominance theory basically it, it, um, essentially revolves around um, focusing on where your dog sits in the pack. Mm. And you, you having to be the kind of top dog and, the, and we're talking about the, a lot of the hierarchies yeah. in, in your family. It's a lot to do with, it's kind of initially was to do with studies in wolves. And so yeah. because people believed that dogs were very similar in, in social structure to wolves, um, a lot of these kind of theories about you know, where you should be in the hierarchy came about and they were very, very popular. So mm. a lot of people today will have grown up with those kind of training Yeah, they were in vogue for quite a while. A long, long time. Hmm. And there are a lot of people who still use them. Hmm. The problem with that particular philosophy is it's gradually actually being debunked over time. So hmm. it's actually been shown now that a lot of those initial studies in wolves are not as applicable to dogs as we thought they were. Yeah. Um, and the problem with some of that school of thought is that it focuses, it lends itself a lot to very strict reinforcement techniques hmm. and often to negative reinforcement or positive punishment so that's mm. two of those other little four quadrants yes for example things like so an example of negative reinforcement it's a bit confusing the, the names of them are quite about quite counterintuitive yeah. negative reinforcement is something like applying pressure and then taking it away as a mm. reward mm. for the correct behavior so for example if you're using a, a choke chain or a little or a very tight collar mm. something like that the dog pulls the collar tightens, mm. so that's applying an aversive stimulus and yeah. uh, pressure. And then when they do the right thing and they are oh, the behavior that you want and they relax or step back or walk nicely on a lead with you, that collar loosens. And so you're taking that aversive stimulus away and that reinforces mm. the good behavior. Yeah. Which, like, can, yeah, yeah, you can see why, but you can see why people would, you know, find that a bit confronting as well. Exactly. It can be used well but it can also be abused and used badly. Mm. So it's not to say that you can't ever use some of those techniques well, because you can. It's, it's exactly how we train horses. Mm. Horses are very, very strong animals. Mm. So you, and, they, and they're also not food motivated in the same way, not mm. in the same way as a cat or a dog yeah. is. Yeah. So it's very difficult to use some of those other techniques. Mm. So you have to be in control of an animal that's that large. So actually, yeah. a, a lot of you, know, the bit in the mouth of a horse mm. is actually an example of, Interesting. Okay. of um, negative reinforcement. Mm. So it can be used well, mm. but... Unfortunately, it's very easy to fall into the trap of doing those things too intensely, mm. relying on them too often. And it's very easy to damage your relationship with the dog. Yeah. So generally over time, people are tending to move away from those methods and move mm. towards positive reinforcement. Because mm. anything that's leveraging fear, anything mm. that actually is making your dog 
less comfortable with you is a little bit ethically dubious but also people don't want that people want a really good relationship with their dog and that's yeah. a, you know our, our modern philosophy towards our pets is that they're members of the family mm. yeah it, it is very interesting you know that every quadrant i mean it, it, it's basic psychology and it applies to humans and dogs you know it's the same way you reinforce mm. behaviors and all of them have a place but yeah to an extent you know research and things have come out and shown that some are more effective than others with certain animals it's there's a lot of yeah the, the, it, it is it's a very rich area um which i'm sure yeah we'll, we'll, we'll dive into a bit more i mean you touched on some of those controversies already i think people might have heard about those in you know in popular culture and the media and, and yeah and dominance theory being one which has sort of you know fallen fallen out of favor a little bit because of some of the you know things that we've since learned about you know what how dogs respond i mean are there any other controversies in dog training that you know we should know about or that that uh that you know have come out so they're definitely there's one big one that i always like to um bring up whenever mm. i'm asked this question because i think it's probably important that it gets discussed and i think more and more people are discussing it but it it's important because there's always you'll always come across a couple of people who haven't um haven't heard that this is okay. controversial yeah, yeah. so it's called the alpha roll technique and that is the concept of basically when when someone has a dog that they think is being naughty or disobedient or bad in some way, using the technique of physically rolling the dog onto their back mm. and kind of pinning them down. And the idea behind that in theory mm. is meant to be that you're asserting your dominance over that dog, you're asserting yourself and you're showing the dog that you will physically control them if they don't listen to you and they don't mm. respond to you now unfortunately that has been widely popularized by a certain popular us-based tv presenter who mm. has a very famous uh tv show about dog training right. and that has been going for a very long time mm. and if people know the trainer that i'm talking about it's um it's amazing there are actually a couple of episodes of that show that have made it to air mm. where he's bitten by dogs that he's alpha rolling mm. he literally gets bitten by them oh, it's crazy like i mean it's, it's yeah. on on and they tape. put the, yeah. recorded yeah they put that on tv and you can go back and watch Gosh. old episodes of, of it where you can see right. it going dramatically wrong mm. and if you actually slow down those episodes mm. frame by frame mm. you can actually see how terrified those dogs are if you mm. actually look at the dog's body language they are really scared in those mm. moments. So let's be honest. It's fear. It's absolutely fear. Yeah, it's not a useful training technique. The dog is learning nothing in that except to be scared of that trainer. Mm. They're not learning anything in that moment. Mm. It's 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 horrible. It's cruel. It's mm. not useful for learning. And it is so dangerous yeah. for both and the dog and the person. And people are going to get bitten. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of like, again, if you strip it back to basics, it's sort of, you know, fight or flight. Mm. You're, not, you're not thinking clearly. You're not, um, you know training a dog when they're completely and utterly scared absolutely exactly it's exactly the same principle as it would be in a person you know if you take a, a toddler who's throwing a tantrum and then you try you know pinning them down on the floor and shouting in their face is that going to be a useful way of teaching that child to behave in a different way no is that going to make that beha the behavior they performed before you know Any less better, less yeah. likely to occur in the future maybe but it, what it will teach is that they'll be terrified of you yeah, gosh, you know, it's it's crazy to think about that being still a possible. That was a, a just the the done thing, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Mm. That, you know, you can see why 
we've now evolved away from that. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, really over time, the more the more we learn about dog behavior, the more that we learn that actually dogs mirror humans and their brains mm. work in the same way as humans mm. in many, many, many ways. And it's it's fascinating because if if you look at studies in animal behavior and in learning theory, mm. universities are starting to apply a lot of what they've learned in child psychology, in you know, general adult human psychology to animals. And they're really discovering so many overlaps and so many um, things that are similar, um, which is really, really interesting. And it's only going to it's only going to make training techniques more and more evidence-based over time. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, on that point about evidence, I think that's something that I know some of our listeners have been very interested by you know, in terms of like, what, what have we learned from evidence? What have we learned from the research? Um, you know, obviously you've talked a bit about some of those methods that have fallen out of favor, but what, what have we learned from, from research about dog training? I guess it, it, so that there are a few cool facts mm. that we definitely have definitively proven mm. from studies over time. Um, the, the one thing I always kind of say when, when people say, what do the studies say, mm. for example, it's unfortunately, you always have to point out that really studies in animal training and animal behavior take a long time to build up mm. because we now have ethics committees at universities mm. and we now care about dogs a lot more than we did back in the day. Mm. So no one is ever going to condone a study where you take one group of dogs and you hit them and you terrorize them and make them very scared and then take another group and nurture them and love them and, and see how the two groups compare because it, that's not fair to the group. It would that not pass any ethics yeah, committee. Exactly. So, net, so there are very, very few directly concrete causational studies or double-blinded studies or anything like that in a lot of these areas where you're comparing aversive with positive techniques. Mm. So therefore, it sometimes is a little bit difficult for us to debunk some of the old-fashioned techniques and it is difficult sometimes for people who are very, very wedded to aversive stimuli. Um, So for example, someone who's really, really passionate about shock collars and they really do think that shock collars are a good effective technique it's difficult for you know researchers to say here's the study that proves you're wrong actually you know you'll get better effect if you if you positively train you that dog what we can show what they have definitely already done is there are mounting studies showing that thing aversive um stimuli like shock collars are not as effective as we used to think. So they're starting to they're starting to gradually debunk it. Mm. And gradually over time the there's more and more evidence that positive reinforcement is super super useful and mm. effective. But there's some cool I mean the cool facts and things that they have definitely shown are, you know, basic ones that I guess make sense if you actually think about them. If you're aggressive to your dog, mm. then your dog is more likely to be aggressive to you. That's fairly logical. Yeah. I can I can understand that. Yes, absolutely. You know, absolutely makes sense. The confrontational methods like staring mm. at your dog, intimidating your dog, or obviously mm. things like hitting your dog, they are more likely to result in aggressive reactions from yeah. that dog in the future. Yeah. So you know, and they're also 
proven to be proven to do very little to change the original unwanted behavior mm. so they're not a good technique for teaching your dog to do something different mm. they're not particularly useful in that and that definitely has been shown in science um i guess and on to flip it the other way the other lovely thing um and i tell people this in the clinic all the time mm. is that there is evidence that dogs ha that have a close bond with their owners mm. learn more quickly that's nice. I mean, mm. the, yeah, that, I mean, again, also makes sense. Like if you've got a good relationship with your dog, then it's going to be much easier to instill the right behaviors. And yeah. To create a, yeah. It goes, it goes back to again, training the owners as well to train the dog. Exactly. And dogs who that are um, working with a trainer because of a particular behavior problem mm. um, are more likely to have success if they have a close relationship with their owner. So yeah. the, the more a dog, sorry, the, the more owner loves a dog and is invested in a dog yeah. the more likely that dog is to improve uh, that, that, that makes perfect sense and i mm. think i mean maybe the other thing that a lot of owners might not realize or remember is you know they think oh well we're getting a dog trainer in who's going to solve all of my problems but realistically mm. the dog is going to be with the trainer for an hour you know a mm -hmm. bit more whereas they're going to be with you as the owner for the other 23 hours a day so if you're not Firstly, if you don't have a great bond with the dog, it's going to be harder. But if you're not trying to build that up, you know, build on the work the trainer's done, it's it's also going to be really difficult. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the more committed uh, and passionate the owner is, the more likely that they're going to practice mm. and, you know, put into, um, you know, put in the effort and yeah. everything into the training and therefore the better, the more likely they are to have good results. Yeah. That yeah. makes, yeah, makes perfect <laughs> sense. So I guess on that point... All right, so we, we've talked a lot about methods and and you know the, the different approaches, of course. So, what like for the for the you know listener who's thinking about training, you know, dog training for either their adult dog or maybe even their puppy, you know, what what methods should you be following, and what should you look for in a trainer if you if you're trying to find a, a dog trainer for you, what should you look for? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess obviously there's some there's some basic practical things I think people should definitely think about and you shouldn't discount these mm. I think uh, looking for a trainer who's close to you based mm. in your area mm -hmm. is important especially if you're going if you're just picking a puppy school for mm. example a lot of puppies don't travel very well in the car in mm. the first few weeks so if you're picking someone who's way across town and it's gonna be very difficult to get there that mm. can be more challenging and yeah. you don't want your poor little puppy to vomit every single time they have to go to class and things like that of course um so obviously there's gonna be practical things like yeah, location location exactly and, and i guess on that point i imagine mm. having like a, a, for a dog training session it would make sense to have this session in your home environment where the pup is going to be learning like well, the dog's going to be learning yeah so there's definitely there's two different sort of types of training there's going to be group classes which so mm. puppy school is often a group class you can have individual mm. ones at home but the um a lot of them are group sessions and that can be a really nice little kind of mm. socialization experience just to see other puppies in a room mm. and things like that they a lot of trainers do group adolescent classes and group mm. obedience classes and that can be that can be really fun mm. for people but a lot of the time if you're looking to learn some specific skills mm. and you really want to improve fast mm. or if you're trying to troubleshoot problem 
Mm. problem behavior issues exactly then an in-house trainer that comes to you is definitely going to be the the best way to go for sure so definitely looking at especially if you're working with a behavior problem getting a trainer who's able to come to your home is a fantastic way of doing it and then seeing your dog in a real environment teaching you how to do it in your practical life they can go on a walk with you if you're having reactivity issues yeah they can observe the behaviors in the home environment exactly exactly that Mm. um Okay. And then, of course, so, so you location. Should, location, 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 exactly. Sense. Looking for someone who's got good reviews, mm-hmm. or recommendations from a friend, um, the, or a recommendation from your local vet clinic, you know, that kind of thing, super important. And then probably looking for some solid qualifications. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, it's an unregulated industry, so anyone can call themselves a dog trainer. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no um, requirement to have no, a particular no regulation around set of it. skills. Yeah. So th- some trainers are going to be better than others. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, I think someone who brands themselves as a positive reinforcement trainer or a reward-based trainer Mm -hmm. or a force-free trainer, all Mm -hmm. those phrases are essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where you should probably look. Um, But no matter who they are and what qualification they've got, I think the most important thing is to look for someone who is transparent about Mm -hmm. their approach to training. Mm -hmm. You want someone who's not kind of murky and won't tell you how they do it or won't sort of say oh I, you know, I i have sort of special techniques no one results. else knows about yeah, i yeah, get yeah. results you want someone who tells you exactly how they do it yeah. you know, said yep i'm a positive reinforcement trainer this is my this is my background this is how i've th- yeah. this is my you know, who i've learned from this is my philosophy 100 yeah. percent. yeah yeah and i think it's good because there are while there's no regulations there are some associations that you know you could potentially look for that do have you know some of those positive reinforcement you know mm, mm. philosophies as well so so i think you you know are there th- those associations that we can look for on top of that absolutely so if you're looking for if you want a place to start and you yeah. just want to look up someone who's accredited with a particular organization and you just want to look and see if you've got someone in your area 100 percent. there's there's probably two oh, and there's so many there's a mm. lot of different ones but there's two very reputable ones and mm-hmm. they do have trainers nationwide mm-hmm. um the probably the the main one I would tell people about is called the APDT. Mm-hmm. So it stands for Association of Pet Dog Trainers. Yep, and they are fabulous. They're mm-hmm. uh, all force free uh, trainers. They are they've got trainers all over Australia, mm-hmm. and they have to apply to be a member. Mm-hmm. So they have to yeah. prove that they have the right kind of qualifications and skills and knowledge in yeah. order to be listed. Brilliant. Um, and they had a, co- a code of ethics. So it's exactly the same as Rightport. They have a yeah. code of ethics that they have to stick to. And they're held to account. And they're held to account. Exactly. Great. There's another um, lovely one called the Delta Institute mm-hmm. as well. And they had the, they actually take their trainers. The trainers have to pass an exam with them mm-hmm. to be able to get accredited by delta and they do they have a lot of therapy dog trainers and people Mm. like that through delta as well so the the delta institute is another really nice one you can google both of them yeah i actually before the podcast i did a bit of a google of both of them and yeah they have a really great website where you can literally search um in some places by by location like state and even suburb um so you can find Mm. ones that are yeah as you said in your local area so yeah i think both of those are great websites and we can include those links in uh, in the show notes as well yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. I think, I mean, I mean, that was obviously a bit of a whirlwind summary, but I think hopefully for our listeners, it was a, a great way to be able to sort of get an understanding of what dog training is, what they should be looking for, what, you know, some of the research and, and history has, has shown us. Um, and then, yeah, and, and where to start. Because um, it can be a bit of a, you know, daunting area, but I think hopefully 
this has yeah broken it down and made it a bit more accessible. Yeah, definitely. And and if there are any um, puppy puppy parents, you know, recent puppy parents listening, um, the if you want somewhere to start and you just want to know how, what's the best way of sort of training and settling in my new puppy, uh, Right Paws Puppy Prep Program is available for purchase at any point. If you haven't bought it directly with your puppy you can buy it later you can get it directly through the website um and that is just a really nice that, that's all positive reinforcement based um and it segues you really well into into future training so it's just yeah. a really nice way of settling your dog in in the right way so you don't make any mistakes before you get to puppy school yeah absolutely i think um you know we always say it right paul that the more work you put in and the, and the work that you do as a puppy is going to set your dog up for the best start in life so yeah absolutely i'll also put a link to that in the show notes um but imogen Thank you so much. Uh, great to have you here. And thanks for filling in for George as well. No problem. No problem. Anytime. Brilliant. And thanks to all of our listeners. We'll be back again with George next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of What the Bark. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. You can visit rightpaw.com.au for your all-in-one place to find responsible, verified breeders. And you can visit oravet.com.au for all your pet genetic testing needs. Remember to stay positive and we'll see you in the next episode.